the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the best of investing on AM 1220 KDOW, the show that brings you valuable information about real estate, the financial markets, and other economic business of the day. Your host, Edward Brown, is a nationally recognized expert on money and investing who has appeared on CNN and has published numerous articles in national business magazines and newspapers. Now, your host for the best of investing, Edward Brown. Welcome. You're listening to The Best of Investing. I'm your host, Edward Brown, along with my co-host, Mark Honf of Pacific Private Money. And uh, today we don't have any trivia questions. And the reason is we are at a special golf tournament uh, of which Summit Bank is the main sponsor. And uh, for that, our special guest is Tom Durier. I pronounced it correctly. You got it. Who's the CEO of Summit Bank. Uh, this is actually the Joe Morgan uh Invitational. Invitational, okay. And uh, how did you get involved with this? Well, so um, Summit Bank started a foundation, the Summit Foundation, 20 years ago. So we're celebrating this, our 20th anniversary of the tournament. Oh, okay. Initially, it started with scholarships for Oakland youth. Mm -hmm. Uh, Shirley, the founder of Summit Bank and the foundation, Shirley Nelson, is dear friends with Bill Russell. He went to McClyman's High School. So. For 20 years, we've been giving scholarships to students from McClyman's. And then Joe Morgan, who went okay. to Castlemont, yeah. also a dear friend with Shirley. Okay. Um, we do a scholarship in his name, too. And then probably about four or five years ago, we expanded it to help with uh, uh, cancer research at yeah. UCSF. So we give about uh, $200,000, $250,000 a year. Oh, very nice. And, uh, in fact, recently we were just... Uh, Awarded with uh, being one of the top 100 corporate philanthropists in the San Francisco really? Bay Area. Yes. Okay. Because a lot of people so, are not that familiar with Summit Bank. Right. Yes. Tom, tell us a little bit about Summit Bank. What's your specialty? So so Summit Bank started back in 1982 by Shirley Nelson. Uh, we've been serving Oakland for, for many years, times when a lot of people weren't, but we were. Yeah. We also have a location in Emeryville and also in Walnut Creek. And really our specialty is, first and foremost, service. That's how we really distinguish ourselves, by giving the best service. But we're a more business, commercial-oriented community bank. And it's funny, when you get a license to be a community bank in California, it says to do for the greater good of community. And that's what we do is we get money out there and... You know, if, if a business is successful, then it supports their family. And if a business can grow, then it gives growth opportunities to its employees, and, too. And are you guys thinking maybe of uh, expanding into, let's say, Marin or uh, Novato or Petaluma? You know, yeah, expand you know, your footprint? At, you know, at, at this point, we really serve the East Bay, but, okay. but we can serve people in the North Bay yeah. as well. It really comes down to, you know, it's an hour drive, hour and a half drive, but we, but we can do that. And we, and we, and we actually do that as well. But our primary focus is really on the East Bay. Yeah. How many branches do you have now, Tom? We have three branches. Mm, okay. Oakland, which is our world headquarters. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Up and down in Northern California. Yeah. And then Walnut Creek as well. In fact, we're, we're opening a new branch in Walnut Creek uh, in, I 
right at the beginning of September. So you're growing. Yes. Awesome. Well, and also, you know, with uh, uh, banking the way it is with uh, online and also uh, remote. Remote. There you go. That's the word. Uh, You know, you don't have to go into the branch all the time. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. The technology is freeing people up to do. But there's a lot of people that really like to come into the branch. And and if you ever have an issue, it's a a good place to resolve things. So it um, is the best. It'll always have its. Yeah. yeah, It will always have its its role. Now, do you have any specialty with regard to, let's say, real estate or uh, unsecured business lines? You know, does Summit Bank specialize? Yes. Yeah, so we really specialize. So our our chief credit officer Denise Dodini has been with the bank for many years, and okay. probably the best chief credit officer I've ever worked with. Oh, and I okay. used to be a chief credit officer. Oh, so okay. Runs so circles know. around yeah. me. Yeah. Um, we really do the kind of out-of-the-box ones that maybe oh. are a little bit more difficult, but due to the expertise of our team, we, we figure out a way. Um, okay. you know, one of our, we have our Summit Bank commitment, which is our, our 10-point service standards, and the first one is have a can-do attitude. So we're always looking to see how we can do it, and you know, at the same time, making sure that we're doing our lending in a safe and sound manner. So, so rather than looking for a reason to say no, it's looking for a reason we're to say yes. Always right. Look, so many yeah. banks have a reputation for being the no bank. So I got a question about yeah. the, the, the proposed Dodd-Frank rollbacks. Does that impact Summit in any way? A, a little bit. Um, it, the banks under $10 billion in assets, it really had, you know, a, a little effect, but not too much of an effect. So the, the rollback uh, we'll have some, you know, any rollback is positive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of times after the, the downturn, you know, the, the small community banks really got included with yeah. you know, some of the other some large ones. players. Well, no, yeah, you so. got scooped up. I mean, yeah. even our industry at Pacific Private Money, private money lenders, you know, got uh, contained within all of the banking yeah. regulations, yeah. which yeah. in, in sure. some ways was a good thing. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, it's interesting how the media portrays the proposed rollbacks as being completely unwinding, which really those of us who are in lending or banking know that that's, that's not true at all. No, and when you th- really... Th- think of banking, we get to use other people's money, deposits. Yes. So there'll always be some form of regulation. But I think it probably went too far the other way, and now it's kind of swinging back the, you know, the other way. But most so. of the rollbacks, I think, have to do with more like 40,000-foot issues, like what kind of uh, businesses you can be involved in, as opposed yes. to actually, you know, are they going to make it so that now you can make loans to people who can't afford to make the monthly payments? I, I don't think they're going to get down to those, they're, undoing those regulations. No, and, and probably they, they shouldn't. Yeah. So we're not really yeah. going back to 2005 all over again. No, we don't. We definitely no, don't want to return smart. to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, you can make a prediction for interest rates. I mean, they're starting Blip up. Well, they're, they're certainly increasing. Uh, I mean, the, the, this economy, I've never seen anything like it in my life. Yeah. I've, I've lived, born and reared in the in the Bay Area. So yeah. I think you're going to see a continuation of it. Okay. Uh, the the concern in the in the banking industry, of course, is the flattening of the yield curve. And yeah. so, but we, you know, Summit Bank is very well positioned to take advantage of the increase in, in interest rates. We have one of the highest margins in the state. So, okay. uh it presents a great opportunity for us. Yeah. Hey, do you go? Uh, do you believe in the theory that uh, the flattening of the yield curve uh, is is kind of a, a forecaster of an upcoming impending recession? Yeah, you know it, that, that's it's happened many times. But yeah. you know, right now you look at the fundamentals, you can't see anything out there. But you, you always have to be cognizant of of what's going on. But you know. I've never seen an economy. I mean, the Bay Area unemployment I, I read recently is two point two percent. Yeah, and so, well, you know, what's crazy it was, uh, you know, it, in I don't want to say the old days because this was only like less than ten years ago. It seemed like the banks were 
were just like saying no, and they could just turn the money back over to the Fed and make a spread at no risk. Is that well? You can you if you have excess liquidity, you can put it into Fed funds. Yeah. And so right now, Fed funds you're getting about one ninety five. Okay. So you can, but yeah. you know, again, going back to when you get a charter, it's to do for the greater good of communities. So we really gotcha. want to get that money out there to help small businesses and nonprofits. Well, you lend it a lot higher than one point nine five percent. We so. do, but you know, <laughs> with with the flattening of the yield curve, yeah, you know, it, it it hasn't it really hasn't translated a little bit higher interest rate on the loans but not demonstrably higher. Yeah, I had heard that uh, in order for a bank to be profitable, they have to see a 300 basis point spread. Is that is that just a general rule of thumb, or am I off? Well, it depends. So for, for community banks, our primary uh, bit of business is lending money. So if you have the, you know, the big box banks, the big you know, regionals or national banks, they have different sources of income. They have a lot more non-interest income. So they can get away with that, that smaller margin alone because they, yeah, they have that additional income. Hey, um, we have like over 300 clients at our company that are investors. And the common question we get all the time is, where do you see the next cycle? When do you see the next cycle happening? And in real estate. In real estate. Yeah. Well, actually, well, in, in, economy, you know, both yeah, the business right. cycle and the real estate cycle, which don't always uh, correspond. Yeah. You know, what are your, you know, the, the people you listen to and the tea leaves you're reading? Any thoughts? Uh, 2020 seems to be a popular, because it's two years out, right? Who's going to predict yeah. beyond that? And, and, and they've been saying that every two years. Right, yeah, every two exactly, years. Right. Yeah. I remember 2018 but, was supposed to be a recession, I think, right? you know, the, the affordability index for real estate, is is one to really keep an eye on, and yeah. it's approaching ten percent. Yeah, and yeah. so trees can't grow to the sky. So that'll <laughs> probably be a natural way to kind of slow it down. Okay, and so uh, Tom Durier, uh, how do people get a hold of Summit Bank? You know, it, it, you know, we want to give the audience a, a oh, way to sure. get a hold of you guys. So we're located at two nine six nine Broadway Street. That's our world headquarters okay. in Oakland. Nice. Uh, I'll give you my number. They can always call oh, me. All right. My direct line is five ten two six seven. One zero two eight. All right, and, Tom. I, and I answer my own phone. So Very I talk good. To the CEO, like CEO of Summit, Summit Bank. Bank. That's awesome. <laughs> I like that, Tom. Thanks again for joining us. Great. On the best Thank you very much thing. for having us. For more information on this program, call eight 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 nine twelve eleven ninety. That's eight 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 nine twelve eleven ninety, or visit bestofinvesting.com. Now back to the best of investing with your host Edward Brown. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with my business partner in crime. Yes, uh, indeed. Mark Honf of Pacific Private Money. Uh, and we are here. Our next interview is with um, Derek Johnson, who is also on the board of the Summit Bank Foundation. And you, you have a restaurant. You said you used to, you told us off the air, you used to have three restaurants, but you're down to one. First of all, what's the name of your restaurant? Oh, so I own the Home of Chicken and Waffles restaurant. I'm located in Jack London Square. Okay. Chicken and Waffles. Chicken that and waffles. sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> it's very good. You would enjoy it. hungry. <laughs> how, much, how, many, how many did you uh, bring to the... Uh... Uh, we, have some, uh, we have some of our famous mac and cheese coming later for lunch. Right. So make sure that oh, you yes. get uh, and some peach cobbler. So, oh, so, all yeah, right. Make sure you get some of that. Absolutely. My favorite. Yeah, though, that's good stuff. I, it's funny, mac and cheese, you know, there, there are people who can really make it, like, fantastic. It's not like the kind you just get out of a box anymore. Yeah. So, that. Derek, how long have you been involved with this organization in the event? Uh, I've been involved with the organization now for at least seven years. And the event, this, the same. Um, 
Shirley uh, Nelson, the founder mm-hmm. of Summit Bank, uh, approached me. Uh, I do a lot of community work, community service work in Oakland. Okay. And um, with her scholarships that she were given to McClymonds and Castlemont High School students, um, was interest was of interest to myself. And so um, she approached me, and I ex- gladly accepted it. Mm-hmm. That's the, it's the Joe Morgan Invitational. Has Joe been involved since the beginning? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Since I've been involved, Joe has been involved. Yeah. Yes. And uh, how long have you owned uh, your restaurant? I've owned the restaurant for 14 years. Wow. Okay. Now, um, off air, you were telling us that you had three restaurants. Yes. You're down to one. Yes. Uh, what happened to the other two? Uh, the other two, uh, the landlord did a buyout with the leases, and um, we... I gladly accept it. <laughs> okay, so, so it wasn't a situation where your lease came due and no. then he kicked you out. No. He came to you and he said, hey, I've got a better offer yes. from, for a new tenant. Are you willing to cash in, basically, on, on your on your lease? Pretty much. I had really long-term leases, and um, I think everyone else around me was just about expired. And I hear Starbucks wants to do a different, they're doing a different model or a bigger. Gotcha. What are some of the challenges of being in the restaurant business today? Uh, hire staff, staffing. Yeah. I think oh, um, yeah. finding employees yeah. is in, yeah. is is really really difficult. Now I've been very fortunate because uh, we hire a lot of those that are you know on parole or probation, and I've done really well with that population okay. and giving mm. them another chance. And oh, I think really? that's how Shirley kind of reached out to me. Yeah, so we work closely with the city of Oakland. Mm. Okay. Um, I, I'm sorry, I did want to ask about the the other two restaurants that the uh, landlord had. Now, was it both of them they bought out? Yes. Really? Interesting. Yes. Two different landlords or no? Same. Same landlord. Okay. Yes. Oh, so you had two. Interesting. Okay. Two locations two with, locations the, same with the same landlord. Okay. And were those locations profitable for you? Yes. Okay. So, but at some point you kind of look at it and say, well. Yeah. I look at the time that I spend working. Yeah. And so, working seven days a week, covering three restaurants. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Going back to one restaurant and pulling all my best people from the other two and putting yeah. them at one. Now I have a life. Yeah, that's got to be really. I mean, running one restaurant is hard enough, right. but running three of them has got to be really hard. Oh, it's so really challenging. Okay. So, with such such low unemployment and the yeah. scarcity of employees, are, are are your is your payroll up quite a bit uh, from prior years? Well, I think yes, because the minimum wage is up quite a bit yeah, from prior well, years, yeah. and it's going up again. So that's 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 the major factor. And, and but o- Oakland doesn't have that extra little health tax that San Francisco does. No, okay, no, we do, we don't yeah, have that's, that. That's that helps. <laughs> yeah, we do, we well, don't have that. So, Derek, how do people uh, uh, come see your restaurant? Where you're located in Jack London Square? Yeah, four 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 Embarcadero West in Oakland. Um, we're open seven days a week, open till oh, four a.m. Say the name Friday of it again. Saturday, uh, home of chicken and waffles. Home. Chicken and, and we're a very popular spot for after the Raider games. We get a lot of Raider, Warrior, and A's fans. Oh, uh, excellent. Yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. We get a lot. Uh, yeah, the players got fans all And the here. players yeah. come in all the time. Oh, all um, right. Clay, Steph Curry, a lot of the players. Oh, really? What's your most yeah. famous dish? Uh, homeboy, three wings and a waffle. <laughs> three yes, wings and a waffle. And mac and cheese. Mac and cheese is very popular at our <laughs> gotcha. place. Yes. All right. Well, Derek, thank you so much Getting for joining hungry. us thank on you. the Best of Investing here at the beautiful golf tournament, Joe Morgan Invitational. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me. For more information on this program, call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. Or visit bestofinvesting.com. Now, back to The Best of Investing with your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Mark Hoff of Pacific Private Money. We've had uh, Bobby Evans uh, from the Giants on my sports show, but uh, we're going to cover a little bit on, on the business side. Thanks for uh, joining us. You got it. Okay. Baseball is a big part of investing. Yeah. Bobby, what's keeping you uh, up at nights uh, these days this season? <laughs> uh, I, I, I think our... Uh, 
our, our run production probably more so than the tea time. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we're, uh, we're here actually at the tournament. Yes, we are. Here. And this is actually the day before the All-Star Game, and that's probably the reason why you're able to uh, make it here. That's right. That's Thanks. right. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, four days where we don't have ball games, but really only one day to to take off and and joe morgan is uh you know obviously very special to us in the giants organization and and just to see him in good health and and bouncing around and and hosting this tournament obviously is an honor so glad to be here yeah except for his knee he'd probably be still playing baseball (laughs) that's right and uh even though this is like technically a day off i can't imagine you ever really having a day off no it'll still be active i mean we'll we'll have i mean the gms do slow down a little bit during this time in terms of our interactions just because you know, it's, there's not many windows where you can kind of give your staff a little bit of a break, uh, but for the most part, we'll we'll stay in the office all week and just uh, try to get an edge on uh, the next two weeks. Okay. Anything you want to ask, Bobby? So, you know, how do you, how are you feeling about the season so far? I mean, last we know last year was you know unexpected disappointment. This year's you know started out with with some great expectations, and you've had injuries along the way. How you guys feeling a hundred games in? I mean, we feel good that we're in in the hunt. I mean, that's that's part of it. I mean, we wish we were ahead in the hunt, um, but being in the hunt is is probably you know half the battle. Yeah, you're only uh, a few games out. Yeah, a few games yeah. out, and we've got a lot of baseball ahead of us. Uh, again, you know, part of the challenge has been you know to make sure that our starting pitching get ramped up, and we've sort of overcome some obstacles there. And and you've you've uh, taken uh, uh, Madison Bumgarner's uh, bike away, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I, mean, I think he was self. Self-chosen to take that away. I think he realized that's not a good idea. But, yeah, I mean, getting him back uh, after the you know last game of spring training, uh, breaking his finger, and now he's back and pitching well. And uh, hopefully we'll get, you know, Cueto and Samarja, you know, not only back, but back to form. And, and even, even still, we've been thankful for Suarez and Rodriguez uh, they, and Holland. They've all done a really good job. And uh, we've got Stratton now at AAA, but the steps that we can use if we need it. And... But really, now it's about run production. We, we've yeah. stopped scoring runs for the last few weeks, and that's uh, that's been troubling. Do you ever want to like put these guys in a big bubble or, or one of those uh, uh, sumo wrestling type things to protect them and just say, <laughs> just stay at home and don't do anything? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, these guys are not robots, and they their yeah. bodies do have wear and tear, and the game is hard. And there's you know we play a we just came off a streak where we played 33 games in 34 days, and that, wow. that's a, a lot of wear and tear on your pitching, a lot of wear and tear on your position players, and I think it's showing a little bit really in how we've how we've scored the last couple of weeks although again the last couple of weeks were what eight and eight but we'd really yeah. like to be much further ahead than that and then uh, let me just ask one question and yeah. then as a general manager um do you always travel with the team or do or are there ever times that you'll actually stay back no i'll travel with them or meet them in in the cities okay uh you know it's always a balance between what what's needed in the office what's needed in yeah. our farm system and also small children at home but yeah. <laughs> but yeah i mean I'll, I'll try to make as 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 much of a road trip as i can just to make sure that you know boach and i stay on the same page and and brian and i obviously work closely together in the office so it's it's good that that, that we're there if we can be brian as as gm um bobby sorry bobby, yeah. <laughs> as, 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 G, yeah, as as gm do you you do you work on the business side uh much like you know attendance the the ballpark i mean uh, or are you mostly just uh, on the player side well, we work together, I mean, on the business side and baseball side. I mean, it's a, it's a great uh, interactions between, you know, all parties. I mean, we work, uh, you know, regular meetings together and yeah. b- big picture perspectives. But, but obviously everybody has their team, and our team is on the baseball side. But, 
but we're all a big team when it comes to the business and baseball together, and, and we work together collaboratively. I mean, that's part of what's made us successful is, you know, we're a lot of interaction, a lot of, uh, you know, interrelated activity and business, and, and, and Larry Bear being the head of, of all of it, you know, obviously makes it a lot easier. Uh, there's a common vision, a common set of goals, uh, and that interaction and collaborative effort is what has helped make us successful, I think. And, you know, the... The Giants have been an amazing story. Uh, the, you know the whole redevelopment of the team, as a, as it were. You know the the new ballpark, uh, uh, the new the then Pac Bell Park, now AT and T Park. How how long have you been uh, with the Giants? Were you there uh, when uh, the new park opened? Yeah, so I came I came to the Giants in, in 1994. So we were at Candlestick. You know, really for my first uh, seven years with wow. the organization. No, no, no. And, wow. and so 2000 being, or I should say six years, the first year being uh, in 2000, it. it at Pack Bell Park, but you know now it's 25 years. I've seen a, a lot of uh, changes and and some very strong, successful teams. And you know we uh, you know we couldn't benefit more from a ballpark, but it's not new anymore. I mean we're in our 19th season at AT and T. Still, it still feels new, still feels which, yeah. which is part of the, the the genius behind it. I mean again, continuing to invest in it. Uh, we have a obviously a fan base that supports the organization, supports the team, loves the ballpark, yeah. and. And uh, you know it is a fresh feel every day. You, you must have been like ecstatic when they moved when they were announcing and uh, that they were going to move from Candlestick. Well, I think we all were because yeah. you know obviously the the fear in '92 was that they were moving, and I, I was That's in the right. commissioner's yeah. office at the time, so these postcards were piling in. You know, you know, please don't 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 move to Tampa. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, was, I was uh, I was under Faye Vincent. Yeah. Faye Vincent was in the commissioner's yeah. office, oh, so yeah. he was getting all these letters and. And so I was excited to join the organization in 94. That was after the 103-win season in 93. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, for me, it was a new ownership group with promise of a new ballpark, one of the best teams in the league and a great city. And uh, leaving New York in the commissioner's office was, was hard to do, but it was also easy considering it was a great organization with a great history. Right. Well, Bobby, thanks so much for uh, joining us on uh, The Best of Investing, as you have on Sports Econ 101. You got it. Okay. Good to be with you. For more information on this program, call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. Or visit bestofinvesting.com. Now, back to The Best of Investing with your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. This is Mark Honf, your co-host, as Edward Brown is out playing golf because we are at the... 20th anniversary Joe Morgan Celebrity Golf Tournament at the Diablo Country Club today, and we've been interviewing sports guests, and in related to sports, we've got a little sports business to talk about. We've got, uh, as our guest right now for this segment, Joey Velez of Velez Mental Performance. He's a sports psychologist, and so we're going to talk a little bit about uh, hmm, the psychology of sports. Yep. Go ahead, and uh, you, you can't be too close to the mic. Uh, these mics are perfect. Okay. Uh, be right up there. And and um, Joey, so um, I was asking you beforehand. You don't you don't specialize in any specific sports like football, baseball, or, or basketball. But uh, you did say that you you do have uh, a number of athletes from a particular sport. Yeah. So currently, I'm working with uh, a lot of swimmers, uh, including synchronized swimming, typically at the the high school, the junior level. Um, you know, I was presented with some opportunities, and I kind of just ran with it. Um, you know, all sports have some form of mental. You know, I guess mental game, mental aspect to it. You know, it's golf, volleyball, basketball. It's all about kind of just translating it to each and every individual sport. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody struggles with confidence, you know, no matter what the sport. Everybody has those, you know, um, obstacles and challenges or different stressors in their sport. Um, 
So it's just all about just kind of relaying it to each and every individual sport and finding what works for each individual. What's a common psychological issue that you deal with on a regular basis? Uh, well, let's start with, since we're out here, we'll start with golf. Because right? yeah. golf is a huge, huge mental sport. You know, if your club faces off by just one degree, it could be a difference between 30 yards left, 30 yards right, being in the rough, being in the fairway, things like that. So mm-hmm. you, a lot of what you'll hear out in golf is, you know, a form of negative self-talk. And the way I, I say a form of negative self-talk is, you know, trying to avoid something as opposed to something they want to do. So maybe they'll see like a lake. Oh, hopefully I don't hit it in the lake. Or there's a couple bunkers in front of the sand traps. Oh, I hope I, hope I don't hit into the sand traps. <laughs> You're going to talk it yeah. right in there. You talk it right into, <laughs> right into existence. Yeah. You know, so um, it's more about, you know, those things are, it's okay to know where your mistakes are. Like, okay, well, this is here. Like, here's a bunker. I know where that is. Um, but it's about where you want to hit it as opposed to where you don't want to hit it. So, Joey, how do you reframe their their mindset? How do you reframe their mindset? Yeah. Uh, well, there's a couple tools. We, I mean, one of them is, is reframing that, you know, so it's, it's kind of looking at the situation from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have something called countering, which is basically using facts and reasons to kind of refute whatever that thought was. Um, you know, so maybe someone gets a double bogey on a hole and they're like, oh, I'm, I'm playing terrible, I suck, this and this. <laughs> we just came off a hole where you had three pars in a row. You know, so it's, it's kind of reframing and using it that way. You're playing well, you just had a bad hole. Yep. Um, and that's also typical with golfers is one hole can ruin your round. Mm-hmm. You know, so instead of just focusing on that one hole and all the things that went wrong in there, okay, well, what were you doing well on the other holes? You know, kind of using that to continue on through the, throughout the performance. So, you know, that, that would be like a current day-to-day performance issue. Do you ever deal with things like a baseball player who got traded and has to move across the country or any other type of, like, uh, you know, disruption issues in yeah. sports? Yeah. Um, so currently, like I said, I'm working with the uh, Junior National Synchronized Swimming Team. Mm-hmm. So they're 14 to 16, 17 years old. Yeah. Um, out of the 11 girls that are on the roster, only one of them, is from this area. Um, but they're all, you know, like I said, they're all 14, 15 years old, and they have to get up and move away from their families. They go do online schooling for six hours a day wow. after an eight-hour practice schedule. You know, so one of the things they always talk about is just, you know, being a normal high school student. And they don't have that interaction. They don't, they don't have those pleasures of being able to just see someone on a day-to-day basis and say hi and things like that. Mm-hmm. The only people they really see are, them, are each other. And their professors on a computer screen you know so a lot of that is just kind of dealing with that you know how to kind of manage the emotion of being away from their family things like that um staying organized you know eight hours of practice and then going to do six hours of homework that's 14 hours right there 24 hours in a day you don't have much time for anything else you know so how about team dynamics so are you dealing with that or is the coach uh both you know, yeah. it's, it's got to be a working relationship there, too. Right. You know, so I, I work with a lot of athletes, but I also work with, you know, um, the coaching staff, the nutritionists, the strength and conditioning coaches, because we all have to be on the same page. Right. You know, if there's something, if someone's struggling with some, with their confidence as far as like a certain lift, you know, maybe they're not lifting enough weight, maybe because they're scared to go up in <laughs> weight. You know, that's something that, you know, while remaining confidential to the athletes, that's something I can help them work through with the confidence, but also let them know like, hey, this is going on. Maybe we can try and watch them more during this type of exercise or something like that. You know, working with a nutritionist on setting goals about, you know, eating X amount of calories during a day, losing whatever kind of weight, things like that, you know. So I do work hand-in-hand with, with, all, with all the staff, too. Um, and then I get a lot of good information from the head coaches as well because they're around them, you know, eight hours a day, whereas I see them maybe once, twice a week. 
Right. You know, so um, I, work, I do work a lot with, like, team building with yeah. them and yeah. things like that. I'm getting them to trust each other, uh, how to improve communication, um, how to be able to kind of, you know, express what they're feeling in a non-confrontational manner. Mm. Yep. Um, and then also kind of getting information from the coach and trying to just work that in. Kind of whatever we can do to put the athletes in the best situation. So, in terms of you know attitude and confidence, which is really you know confidence might be one of the most important attributes yeah. for an athlete. Um, are you a fan of any particular um, uh, person out there who is uh, maybe a, a, a teacher of uh, personal development, like a Tony Robbins, or um, do you subscribe to any of those types of people who are out? Uh, like myself, I've been a kind of a student of personal mm-hmm. development for about 20 years, and I like certain people like Dan Sullivan and Tony Robbins uh, yeah. and, uh, and others uh, to, uh, as far as trying to you know, always you know, be my best self, my most yeah. confident self as an entrepreneur. Confidence mm-hmm. is also one of the number one traits. Do you subscribe to any of those gurus? Uh, there's one guy I listen to a lot, Lewis House. Um, Lewis House? I yeah, haven't heard of him. He used to play for the... Um Men's national soccer team. I believe I'm saying his last. It's H O W E S. I believe is his last name. Okay. Um, I think his podcast is called Strive for Greatness. Um, but you know, he has that unique aspect of being an athlete, an elite athlete, yeah. and growing up and you know, kind of dealing with that mental state, you mm-hmm. know, and going through that grind. And then he now he's on the other side of it. Um, you know, talking about what he did to kind of get through those tough, difficult moments. Um, how he was able to work through those things, you know. So he's a guy, and he he interviews a lot of a lot of people like Tony Robbins, and just yeah. to get kind of you know that back and forth, get what their mindset is compared to what my mindset is, and things like that. So he's a guy I listen to a lot. Um, other than that, I do a lot of reading. Yeah. What I find interesting is that it, that so much. Um confidence coaching and attitude coaching a, a lot of the the message is the same it's just spoken differently and i know I'm, I'm one who appreciates hearing the same thing over and over again spoken by someone different with a slight nuance or twist yeah. to it but there's really i mean at the end of the day after two thousand years of humanity there's not a lot of new under the sun about uh, you know being confident and having having the right attitude but uh, it is an amazing uh, industry yeah. that uh, is kind of parallel to um, psychology which by the way do you have a degree in which what's your degree in? Yeah, so my undergrad uh, was in psychology from San Francisco State, okay. and then I got my master's degree in sports psychology from John F. Kennedy University here in uh, Pleasant Hill. Ah, right. so there actually is a, a major of sports psychology. Yeah, well, it's, I don't know if there's any um, at the like the four-year college of like the undergrad degrees. I think you have to go to grad school for a master's degree yeah. or for the sports psychology. I could mm-hmm. be wrong there. Um, but, you know, I didn't know that growing up. Um, but, you know, luckily I found it because I knew I wanted to be involved in sports in one way, um, whether it was, you know, being an agent or kinesiology or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to be involved in sports one way or another. Um, my 6'10 frame or my 6' foot frame as a center doesn't really work at the next level, so <laughs> yeah. playing was kind of out of it. Um, kinesiology, there's a lot of muscles and things going on. There's a lot of terminology, and then with being an agent, I didn't want to go to law school. So I settled <laughs> on sports psychology. There you go. Well, that's an interesting uh, uh, field of work. So we've been talking with uh, Joey Velez of uh, Velez Mental Performance, talking a little sports psychology here on The Best of Investing, a little bit uh, a little bit uh, different uh, Different take. Yeah. Real quick, how do people reach you if they want uh, 
some consult- consultation. Yeah. Um, so you can check out my website. It's just www.velezmentalperformance.com. And Velez uh, is V-E-L-E-Z? Yes. Um, V-E-L-E-Z.com. Yep. And then you can find me on all the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, with that same Velez Mental Performance. Uh, I'm on Twitter as Coach Joey 88 um, but yeah, my contact info is all over the place on those sites. And, you know, my first consultation with everybody is always free. Um, just get a chance to kind of know everybody. Um, and then, yeah, go from there. Great. All right, Joey, thanks a lot. You're listening to The Best of Investing. We'll be right back. For more information on this program, call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. Or visit bestofinvesting.com. Now, back to The Best of Investing with your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to the Best of Investing. This is Mark Hoff, your co-host. Edward Brown is out playing rounds of golf because, again, we are recording here from the Joe Morgan Invitational Celebrity Golf Tournament out at Diablo Country Club in Diablo, California. And we have got a great uh, pair of guests for us today. We have... Cara, Cara or Cara? Cara, because I care. Cara, because you care. Cara and Christina, who yes. are Oakland Raiderettes. Yeah. Thank you so much for having yeah, us. Yeah, no, it's great. No, I'm so glad you guys came over. So, um, have you guys been cheerleading? How long have you been cheerleading for the Oakland Raiderettes? So, I have been cheering for, this is my second year. Second year? Yes. And, and I... Yeah, go ahead. Kara? Um, this is my fourth year with Football's Fabulous Females. All right, okay. And, uh, you know, I always wonder, do you guys, do you feel competitive against, like, the, the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders got, like, all the press for decades, and uh, all of the Oakland Raiderettes, you guys are, you know, definitely not slackers by any stretch of the imagination. You're pretty popular here in the Bay Area, but uh, <laughs> is it competitive, or do you feel kind of like a sisterhood with uh, other cheerleaders? Definitely a sisterhood. I mean, I feel like I have so many role models, including Kara. She's actually my captain. Aww. So, um, <laughs> Um, it's an amazing way to connect with people that you wouldn't connect with otherwise. And obviously it's on, um, it's just like a, a, an amazing experience that I couldn't feel more blessed to have. Do you get to uh, interact with cheerleaders from other uh, NFL teams? Occasionally, yeah. Um, we just did, we just played a game at Estadio Azteca in Mexico. Wow. And since it was an international game, they also brought cheerleaders from the New England Patriots. Okay. Oh. And a few of us have stayed in touch. And it's, it's incredible, truly there's a very small number of women who understand what it takes to hold a pom-pom yeah. and stand three yards from an NFL football game right. for all you know 10 home games, including preseason. So it's a very unique bond that we share. Do you ever get recruited by other teams? Sort of like uh, free agency? <laughs> oh, right. Exactly. Is there a free agency in, uh, in cheerleading? I mean, I have not. But <laughs> not yet. Lo- loyalty goes a long way, yeah. too. That's you know, um, if, a, if the Patriots asked me to cheer for them, that would be a resounding no. Oh, yeah. That would <laughs> Not be and good. My, so, go oh, sorry. My mom was also a Raiderette in 1980. No so way. Wow. I feel a loyalty to this it for runs sure. In the and family. That's deep. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, um, I've got two daughters, and they both uh, cheerleaded in in high school. Awesome. Did you guys have you guys done this your whole lives? I started dancing in the back of my sister's ballet class when I was yeah. too young oh, to start taking ballet. I was great. probably two years old. Uh-huh. But to be honest, I had never picked up a pom-pom in my life. I didn't even know what it felt like. Yeah. Um, in the middle of a pom-pom, there's a little bar um, that you hold on to, kind of like a dumbbell. And, um, and, and so learning the technique of there holding a pom-pom yeah. took me a couple seasons. My, my rookie year captain used to get on me all the time about incorrect palm technique. Uh, but the dance experience did help, for sure. So, Kara, did you go from ballet to dance to cheerleading? <laughs> I did 
actually, I did drill team in high school, just the old school marching band style. Um, did contemporary dance in college mm. and then competed in hip hop as well. So I've done a variety of styles, but nothing is quite as fun as cheerleading. So my daughter right. danced, uh, did modern dancing with a uh, group out of Nevada called Love to Dance. Wonderful. And the founder of that was um, a warrior. Warrior yeah. girl. Yeah. Warrior yeah, girl. Warrior I forget. Dancer. Warrior yeah. dancer. Yeah. yeah. So there's, uh, there's a lot to take this experience and, and leverage that. Right. Definitely. Which, um, by the way, are, are either you guys, uh, is this full time for you or do you go to college? Uh, Christina would. Uh, um, I actually have four part time jobs, but being a Raider, <laughs> I feel like has a full time aspect to it because yeah. you do hold this responsibility as a role model, which I Very try and cherish and like bring, you know, I have two younger sisters myself. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a title that definitely definitely requires you to kind of, you know, it's it's an honor and you have to respect that. But at so, outside of this, I am a real estate agent and I teach um, nice. spin and great. Pilates. So kind of wow. a little bit of everything. Diversity. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And it helps. It helps a lot, though, with the dancing, it's teaching and, you know, just being comfortable in front of people mm-hmm. and helping people, you know, get in a better mood is kind of my life passion, I guess, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, to just, you know, really... Uh, like be that little piece of someone's day that makes them smile in a world that can be negative sometimes. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yep. So is this a year-round uh, job for you? Do you guys get together off-season? I mean, you got to stay in shape because it's not something you can just pick up and do out of the blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. definitely. I, I wouldn't say anybody's born with the capacity to just pick this up and do it. So yeah. it does take a lot of dedication outside of the, outside of the field. Mm-hmm. Auditions are usually held in April. And if we go to the Super Bowl, as all of you know that goes until February, so right. yeah. we have a little bit of a downtime. But your off season can't be too long because you got to stay in shape for the gig. Right. Yeah. So we're talking to Kara and Christina, uh, two Oakland Raiderettes. We're out here at the Joe Morgan Celebrity Tournament in in Danville, and so do you guys get to interact much with the athletes, or are you supposed to kind of keep your distance, or what relationship do you guys have with the actual football players? We are all on the same team, rooting for the success of the same organization. So I'd say there's there isn't any weird tension or you know off limits craziness, but we most of our interaction is at charity events or yeah. promotional appearances or community events, and it's just it's it's fantastic to be able to spend time with people who are passionate about it as well. Yeah. Do you guys have favorite players? <laughs> every it, ch- it changes every year for sure. Yeah. Um, well, I would imagine that some some might be nicer and inter- interact with you. Some guys might not give you the time of day. I mean, athletes can be interesting personalities. I no, I respect. Like, I think it just comes from tiredness. I mean, I my, I myself, yeah. and I always re- redirect it to this: is that I'm so exhausted after the game. I can't imagine how they feel. So, like, and they're constantly working. You know. Like, you, and getting interviewed a lot, yeah. right? So just, it's, yeah. yeah, you know, everybody has a right, right. to. Yeah. I have a quick question. So the Raiders are moving to Las Vegas. Correct. Um, I imagine you're all local, right? I'm actually from Sacramento, and I okay. make the commute to okay. Oakland. So yes. is that uh, on the horizon, the having to, to up and move? Never say never. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Las Vegas is going to be a great venue, yeah. I think, for the Raiders and I mean, having John Gruden. Yeah, and talk about a genius move to bring right. the greatest game right. in American sport 
and put it in the entertainment capital of the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about making a weekend out of it. You go to Vegas yeah. Saturday morning, yeah. go out at night, and then Sunday you get a game yeah. in the most fresh, pristine stadium. Yeah, in the I agree. I mean, as much as I know a lot of us fans were disappointed, you know, with the news. We of would have loved it had they, you know, built a new stadium in Oakland or, or somewhere course. in the Bay Area. But that notwithstanding, I mean, how exciting is it to have John Gruden back yeah. uh, this <laughs> year? Right, exactly. Yeah. And to be looking forward to moving into what will be the most awesome state-of-the-art facility in football. Totally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You will be, talk about becoming, the opportunity to become America's team. Right. Uh-huh. Really become yeah. America's team. Forget yeah. those Dallas Cowboy guys. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys, you guys are excited about uh, excited. the prospect of it. Do you think you'll move to Vegas? Or you'll probably commute if you're still, well, you'll have to fly because you can't yeah. really drive. Yeah, on the plane, right. you know. Yeah. yeah Back you and forth. Practice <laughs> the sidelines and fillers and claps. You know, yeah. while sitting on the airplane. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So, how much um, how much time do you guys have to put into practice uh, uh, for your for your um, for your performances? Um, we put in a good amount of work, and like with each other, and then outside as well. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like we're all very hard workers, and yeah, there's there's a certain amount of commitment that you have to make outside of practice. Of mm-hmm. We practice a minimum of nine hours per week together mm. as a team. Um, we probably do at least three to ten hours of outside rehearsals in small groups. There's six girls from Sacramento this year, so we, wow. we regularly meet on Fridays and Mondays, make sure we're coming to practice with our best. There's nothing quite like the time that you get when everybody's together. So similarly in college, you know, showing up to lecture with your materials read already. Right. Work done. Uh, yeah, yeah, homework done. <laughs> it just makes the experience that much smoother. How many routines do you have to learn in, for a season? So <laughs> many. Really? Yeah. Have enough it's like having a playbook, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. you got to memorize the playbook. Totally. Now, wow. So we do one routine all together as a team at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, we perform in two halves um, mm-hmm. in between each quarter. We also perform in between each play, and we perform a variety of different routines on the sidelines. And then we also do, like, TV timeout performances. So probably wow. upward, upwards of 30 routines that could be able to start yeah. at a moment's notice. Wow, You'll hear the music that. start, and you will yeah. have to just make it work. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's a lot to memorize. Yes. No wonder you're practicing, what, 20-something yes. yes. hours a week. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. It's all worth it. Exactly. Yeah. All How has the craft evolved over the years, would you say? I guess, well, my, at least with talking to my mom, she says the dancing has definitely evolved over the years. Mm. Um, it's, uh, yeah, she said it was just more... You know, of the appearances more so when she, back when she cheered, and then now she like watches us. It's and like she's a stronger like dance mind, focus. Mind blown about right. what we do and what goes into it and the hard work that goes into it. And she, yeah, definitely, definitely has changed. Yeah, and I'd I'd say too. Um, the community involvement, I think the the level and the expectation um, has just kind of peaked. You know, we play a really important role being out in the community and representing the organization in a positive light. Here we are at a great celebrity golf classic. Absolutely. And it's important to, you know, just have a Yeah. That's great one of my favorite parts of this job is being able to meet more people yeah. in the community that share the same passion of the Raiders. And that's what gets me excited for the move as well is that, like, the family is growing, you know. It's yeah. not just 
a sad thing. It can be like an extension of a beautiful family and Very organization. True. <laughs> well, Karen, Christina, thank you so much for sharing your passion thank as you. uh, Raiders, uh, Oakland Raiders cheerleaders with us on the Best of Investing. Thank, thank you, you so much. much for having us, thank you guys. Thank you. We'll be right back. For more information on this program, call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. Or visit bestofinvesting.com. Now, back to the Best of Investing with your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to the Best of Investing. Last time for today, I'm Mark Hanf, along with Nam Fon. Edward Brown's out playing golf, because if you've been listening to the whole hour, we have had a lot of fun today. We are recording at the Joe Morgan 20th Anniversary Celebrity Golf Tournament, and the proceeds go to the study for a cure for leukemia. And we've just had a great time today. I hope you've enjoyed a uh, little change of pace for the program today. In fact, we just got, we just got done interviewing two of the cutest uh, Oakland Raiderettes. I hope you enjoyed that segment. You know, talking about uh, you know the business of cheerleading. You know, the one thing I didn't uh, didn't really ask them, and I didn't really want to put them on the spot, but it, you know, it must be challenging to, uh, in some ways, to be a cheerleader in 2018 with the you know with the in the age of Me Too and uh, the way women have been treated and still are treated in many industries and in business and film and sports. And uh, kudos to them because uh, both of them. They're a lot more than just cheerleaders. Uh, they have. Uh, uh, they talked about how they have a dance school, and one of them's working four jobs. So you know, this is a passion for them. And uh, you know, it, Nam, it's really interesting. You know, the, the you know the sport, the, the business of sports. We're seeing uh, a lot of that here today with uh, some of the people we've been talking to. Yeah, it's nice because it's a different side of sports that you rarely see. So it was really eye opening, and also the the other activities that a lot of these athletes and uh, professionals the cheerleaders are involved with outside of their primary profession, which is sports. Like, you know, interviewing Tony LaRusa earlier and 27 years doing uh, work with animals and helping people uh, adjust like PTSD with animals or some of the, it was the other thing that was interesting was how many athletes have charitable organizations mm-hmm. that, uh, that they, you know, have a passion for. Right. And how many of them have been, uh, for example, rolled into this particular event here, uh, uh, Joe Morgan, who we got a chance to talk to earlier, Joe Morgan and Vita Blue. And that was just, you know, amazing to hear these guys, um, you know, they still stay, you know, close to their sport, but most of their time nowadays is spent in their charitable efforts. Yeah, giving back. Giving back. Yeah. You know, and that's one of the things uh, about business and entrepreneurialism in general that I, I really appreciate. You know, um, it's funny because, uh, you know, early on in, in, you know, in my 30s and 40s, I'm now, you know, almost uh, almost 60. But uh, earlier in life, I, I used to have a lot of jealousy around people who, you know, seemed like they were making so much more money than I was, so much easier, you know, very successful. And, uh, you know, now what I what I see in when I see success people, more often than not, those that have been blessed with um, uh, fortune, hard work, luck, timing, and have just hit home runs, uh, whether it's in sports, uh, their profession, or in business, or, you know, or even an internet company, IPO, more often than not, these people are giving back. I mean, the, right. the charitable contributions, the good that that money is going to, you know, I, I am, a, I, you know, I am, 
I have probably paid Microsoft, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars over the last 30 years for their software. But the but the work that uh, you know Bill Gates and his wife are doing with those profits, and the same thing with these sports, uh, these athletes. You know, you know, a lot of people complain about you know nobody is worth a 30 million dollar annual contract yeah, or a 50 million dollar contract. But you know what? First of all, they're in a 50 percent tax bracket or, or or more if you're in California, and and then a lot of that money, you know, beyond what they need for their families, uh, goes to uh, charitable sponsorships where they the, number one will show up, uh, and uh, which is great for uh, for fans and and for people to be able to see them at these events, you know. But also their money goes a long way. So your money, when you you know pay those ticket prices, you know some of that money, a percentage of that money is is going to charitable organizations. And, and really, you know, we can't rely on the government to cure right. our ills. So things like leukemia and Parkinson's disease and Alzheimer's, you know, they're those are going to be cured by entrepreneurs, by people of wealth with wealth who have the capacity to contribute to those causes. Yeah. And a lot of these uh, athletes that we interviewed, some of them who, you know, you heard earlier in earlier segments, but others as well who who, uh, we didn't record, they're... Uh, a lot of the organizations that they support are children-related. Either they're uh, schools, education for children, or scholarships. So that's something that uh, it was eye-opening. It's great to hear, and I think more people should hear about what athletes, former athletes, are doing outside of their profession. Yeah, yeah, and it's great. It was really fun to be here today to talk to these uh, athletes. And so that's it for today for the best of investing. I hope you enjoyed this show. A little bit different, a little bit change of pace for us as well, having fun out here recording. And so, uh, until next time, wishing you the best of investing. So long. You've been listening to The Best of Investing with Edward Brown. For more information on this program, call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. Or visit bestofinvesting.com. And join us again next week for The Best of Investing on the Bay Area's Business Leader. AM 1220 KDLW. This radio broadcast is in no way an offer to sell securities except where applicable in states where we are registered or where an exemption or exclusion from such registration exists. Information discussed during this broadcast, whether stock quotes, charts, articles, or any other statement or statements regarding market or other financial information is obtained from sources which... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.